Welcome to the Dog Help Podcast, proudly sponsored by Positive Improvement and hosted by Christy Kirby Barron. As a certified dog behavior consultant, I'm eager to share my extensive experience and expertise to help you with all of your dog training needs, from tackling common issues to diving deep into the mysteries behind dog behavior. I'm confident I can help provide you with the solutions you need. So don't hesitate to hit the subscribe button and join me on this exciting journey of discovery. Hey everybody, I'm back again. Thanks for joining me. Can you believe it's time for another episode? This week has flown by for me. Um, I used to hear when I was little that the uh, older you got, the more time flew. And I didn't understand that then as well as I do now. But it really does fly by. So this week we were we will be discussing why dogs are destructive even when they have a million toys laying around. And this is such a common problem. People ask me about it all the time. Um, they say, I know they need to have toys to play with, but like I have bought everything in the store and he still chews on the window ledges and the carpet and everything else he can get his teeth on. And it can be frustrating. Like I get that. First though, when, I'm, when I have someone asking me that, well, when I, let's just go to when I walk in the house. So I have someone, they hire me, and they say, hey, you got to come help me with this dog. I'm having all these issues. And I walk in, and there's damage everywhere. And the first thing I ask them is, where were you when this dog was chewing the sofa like that? Um, I get a wide array of answers. They Everything from, well, the kids were supposed to be watching him, or... He hasn't chewed up anything before, so I thought I'd try to see if he could be loose in the house. Um, all these answers, but really it all boils down to one basic thing. You have to watch the dog, and you have to prevent them from getting into things and being destructive. If you're not there, everything is fair game. Everything's a toy. Everything's a chew toy if you're not there to prevent them from chewing on the wrong things. And you have to look at having a puppy or a young dog as being the same thing as a toddler. I know when my children were little, if I had to get in the shower or do something, either their dad or my friend Couture or somebody had to watch them, or they had to be down for a nap in the crib. I knew better than to just let them be out of sight because they would have gotten into something potentially harmful but who knows what in their mouth, and there's so many disasters that really could have happened. Well, in fact, there was one time that a microwave got blown up with a Sharpie marker by one of the kids at Dad's office. I won't mention which one of the kids did it, but the point is, if you aren't watching them, your expensive things can be damaged, and they can be hurt. In this case, the only thing that got hurt was the feelings when dad yelled because the microwave got, uh, let's just throw a pun out here and say it got toasted. Uh, Needless to say, there was a new microwave in the office the next day and uh, the lesson about watching young children, toddlers, um, was learned the hard way. And no children were harmed in the uh, oops that occurred making that happen. 
one thing I've always heard too is I know he's just a puppy. He'll grow out of that, right? Well, no, they don't. If something gets the puppy attention, if it's fun to do, if it is self-soothing, it's not going to go away. They will not unlearn that your pillows are tons of fun to pull stuffing out of. They will not unlearn that the sofa has stuffing kind of like the pillows or that shoes are tasty chew toys. So if what they do as a puppy is rewarding to them, it will carry on into adulthood. I tell people to do what you do not want to do now so that you don't have to do it for the rest of their lives. And what I mean by that is preventing them from learning to destroy your house by using a crate or other means of confinement when you can't watch them. So it's way harder to cope with bad habits than to prevent it in the first place. So what I'm talking about here, and I know people are kind of, uh, some people are really iffy about crates and confinement. Nobody really wants to put their baby in that little cage, in that box, and, uh, and leave them there. And I, I understand that. I am not a fan of having people use the crate uh, as an alternative to training the puppy. They can be over crated um, and it's not good for them. It's not healthy for their mental um, psyche. It's not healthy for them to keep them in the crate too much. But what I'm talking about is strategically using a crate or confinement so that they are prevented from learning bad habits. But in between periods of time when you're actually dealing with keeping them out of things, uh, when you're actually preventing them from chewing on things by being redirected, uh, when you're doing interacting with them, these puppies are learning. They're learning, oh, I'm not supposed to do that, but this is more fun. Um, and I don't, I hate it, hate it, hate it. When I am working with a dog, and it usually happens by the time they're an adolescent, they go from the crate to the backyard and from the backyard back to the crate. And the reason that occurs is because when they come in, they're just wild. They flip over chairs, they knock lamps off, they, they're just playing wild. And some people would love to have that dog be an inside dog. They'd love to have them be the pet that they had envisioned when they got that puppy. And it doesn't happen because they didn't spend enough time with that puppy out of the crate. You can't confine them and expect them to come out of confinement having grown out of all bad habits. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. So we're talking about creating them or confining them in a way that they learn uh, strategically to not get into inappropriate things or chew on uh, things that they should not, but not so much that they, we're not interacting with them, okay? So we're just talking about the, the strategic use of confinement. So... <laughs> People seem to know that dog needs toys. Dogs need toys. 
they need balls to chew on and they think if the dog has access to them, then surely the dog will chew on that exclusively. And I kind of find that interesting. Why would they only chew on dog toys? Like, how do they know it's a dog toy and not something else? Because even dog toys look very similar to children's stuffed toys. Um, puppy toys, especially those cute, soft little puppy toys, they look just like children's toys. And at what point do we think they should know that it's theirs and when it's not? It's, that's always been an interesting concept to me that people think, well, he knows it's, it, that's not his. Does he? I mean, exactly how does he know that's not his? Um, and if, how did you, like, how did you, at what point did you think your dog knew that only his things are his things? And how did you teach him that? So that's a really good food for thought. Exactly how did you know and do you actually know that your dog really knows what's theirs and what's not? Especially if someone has put like a towel down or a blanket down in the crate. Um, if they've given them an old pair of shoes or I even saw where someone tied uh, old socks together and let the puppy play. Um, because the puppy kept getting socks, so they thought, well, I'll just, you know, give them these socks. No, if, if they have been given something, it's either okay or it's not okay, but don't make it shades of gray for them. Don't make it vague. Um, help it be black and white so that they can really begin to figure out, um, what you want and, and what you would rather they not do. So. What I'm talking about with this is, well, okay, here's an example. Um, I have a breeder friend. She's a really good breeder, and she would take uh, towels. She'd soak them in water and put them in the, the freezer and freeze them. And she'd get them out, and her litters of puppies would be allowed to teeth and chew on these frozen towels. And everybody thought, oh, what a great idea. From a trainer's perspective, my side of the road, it was so difficult. These people got, her puppy people got wonderfully socialized, well-bred, uh, healthy puppies. Unfortunately, they were obsessed with towels. So if you put towels down in the crate or put a dog bed down in the crate that they can shred, blankets if they start chewing holes in blankets because you put them in the crate don't be surprised when they walk by your stove or in the kitchen they grab a hand towel or they grab a towel in the bathroom or out of the dirty clothes if you've given them towels then towels are on the okay list if you have put a fleece blanket down in their crate and they learn to chew on that then when you're on the sofa and you have a fleece blanket on and the puppies on the floor the dogs on the floor and some people are surprised when they look down and they're like oh, 
they have chewed a hole in the blanket, like literally at my feet. Well, I mean, if you let them learn that blankets are okay to chew on, then what do you expect, right? So give that some thought. Uh, do, how do they know? How did you teach them? And what message are you sending to them? So you can think about that. But now I'm going to ask you to take a step back to that dumpster fire of a year, 2020. And I want you to think about the COVID lockdown. The first days, those were okay. For me, I'm kind of a homebody, so it was, uh, I was happy. A lot of people, however, weren't. Um, the people that are more outgoing, that need that human companionship, that outlet, uh, those folks were absolutely miserable. And the more it went on, the longer it, it drew out, the worse it was. There are numbers, if you care to look them up, there are numbers and studies and statistics and all that kind of stuff that show just how badly domestic violence rose during the pandemic in that shutdown period. That's everywhere in the world, not just in the United States, but people everywhere were cooped up and they got crabby and they got bored. We had all the things at our fingertips. When we were in lockdown, we had computers. We had phones, internet, books, TV. We had all the things, but we still got bored. We were able to go outside and walk around. We could spend time doing the flower beds in the yard, or we could sit in the sun. We could read a book. But when you were finally able to go out again, it kind of, I get this picture in my head that many people blasted out of the house with glee, um, able to see their friends in a group of 10, uh, what, what, remember all those rules, what were they? They were able to see your friends in a group of less than 10 people outside with masks on as long as you were like 15 feet apart or something like that. <laughs> Y'all remember all that? Um, but people were so happy to, to just like be able to go outside and, and have that mental stimulation that they didn't have that they had taken away from them uh, and it was it was very traumatic for some people uh, so the next thing let's think about your favorite thing to do pick a hobby uh, if you don't have a hobby let me just say that's unhealthy so let's pick one right now so for you folks that have hobbies let's say you like to read or how about fishing some women, well, I guess they're guys too. I know at least one guy that loves to shop. Let's think about something you really like to do and then imagine you can watch other people do it, but not you. So if you read, imagine being in a library full of books, but you can't pick them up. Just look at them. Fishing. How would you feel if you were able to sit and watch people fish, but you weren't allowed on the boat or couldn't touch a pole? What about you shoppers? You would be allowed to go look at that big sale sign in the window, but you couldn't touch any of the racks of clothes or go try anything on. Nobody would have fun like that. You wouldn't feel that your emotional or mental needs were being met. So let's apply that back 
to the situation with the dogs. They are cooped up like we were in lockdown. They have things to do, but there's only so much they want to do with those toys you gave them, and then they're bored. Uh, they begin to find new ways of passing time, like chewing on stuff, uh, shredding. I mean, they just mess with things because they're bored. And eventually, you finally come home. They jump all over you and get super hyper. Everyone out there knows what I'm talking about when their dogs are delighted to see you and they come home and you're just being mauled coming in the front door. We all know how that feels. And we were super happy when we were able to see our friends again. And for our dogs, you coming home from work might be the biggest event of their day. I'm going to say that again. You coming home from work might be the biggest event of their day. We had so many more things to do than the toys we put out for the dogs, and yet we were bored. There's only so much TV some people can watch until they're dying to go do something else. Only so many toys, and we expect the dogs to play with them, be satisfied, and not try to find new things to do when they get bored. So how realistic is that when you think about how you felt during the lockdown? So after you come home and the dog jumps all over you and you clean up the mess he's made and you scold him for what he did, you decide to take him for a walk, maybe walking him will help. So you put the leash on and as soon as you open the door, the dog is nearly dragging you down the street. We as humans don't like to be forcefully pulled down the road. It's uncomfortable, it's dangerous, and the dog's choking themselves. Nobody likes to hear that, but it's really bad. We all know it's bad, but, you know, so what do we do? Some people give up, and they say, well, I wish I could walk the dog. I think it would make things better, but I can't physically do it. And then other people are kind of like, uh, well, let's, let's get a trainer. We hire a trainer, right? To teach our dogs obedience commands, walking on loose leash. And I just, this is not something we're going to cover in this podcast, but definitely in the future, we're going to talk about, uh, how the dog, dog, goodness, I can't say that, how the dog trainer trains your dog. Um, the learning experience might not be very pleasant, uh, depending on the methods used, it can be very emotionally uh, difficult for them. And I'm not talking about uh, necessarily a method. Um, it's really taking the dog as a whole because dogs can be overwhelmed even if people are using cookies. Um, but whoever, whoever trains the dogs, depending on how good they are, the dog's learning experience may not be very pleasant. So you have this dog whose brightest moment in the day is you coming home in a crabby mood from work, and we expect them to go for a nice little walk without pulling on the leash. And for a dog, seeing, smelling, sniffing, foraging around, these are the things dogs like to do. And when we say, come on, we're going to take this walk, but you need to stay right here next to me and watch the world go by. It's the same thing. It's just like someone taking you to see your favorite thing being done, but forbidding you to take part in it. You can see the books, but not read. You can watch the people fish, but you can't do it. 
You can see clothes, but you can't try them on. That's kind of what we are doing when we are, um, when we're having our dogs walk on a loose leash and we give no thought to, I mean, we're thinking exercise. We are going from point A to point B and we're going to exercise and get there so that, uh, you know, we, we get our heart pumping and we get all that stuff done. And, uh, I hear an old man back here who is barking at me. Hey, Murray, come here, old man. You have to give me a second to let the old man out. Um, but as I was saying, we are, we expect these dogs to just be obedient and do our bidding and walk with us and go where we go and just kind of tag along, right? But that's the same thing as asking you to sit back and watch the world go by. And if it's something you like doing, sorry, you just got to watch. Many people are really good dog owners who don't realize they're not meeting their dog's needs. When we think of meeting their needs, we think about their physical needs. We need to feed them good quality food. We pay for their health care, their preventative care. We buy them toys and bones. They sleep in comfortable places. They have so much, and yet at the most basic level, their mental and emotional needs are not being met. Destructiveness is one thing that we see as a result. Uh, in future episodes, I'll be talking about how other bad behaviors are being fueled by not having the needs met as well. But this time we're just talking about being destructive. That's our topic. All right, so now that we know uh, how bored our dogs are, what do we do about it? Like, there's a limit to how much money we can spend on the dogs and their toys, right? Face it, most of us don't have a bottomless bank account, and some of our husbands or partners feel like we already treat the dogs better than we do them. So how do we make it better for the dogs without breaking the bank? Well, here are some ideas. Sniffy walks. Um, people call these different things, but for me, it, it looks like putting a dog on a harness, not a collar where they can choke themselves, but on a harness, getting a long leash, a long training line. They can, they're, they're so easy to get. You can get them almost anywhere and they come in lengths of like 15, 20, um, all the way up to like, you know, a hundred feet, but you can find them really anywhere and you attach the harness and you can go in your front yard or you just go somewhere new outside of your dog's usual place and you let him be a dog you let them forage around in the front yard sniffing you let them um, stand and watch what's going on um, you let them just kind of mill around and be a dog just like let them check things out and when you go on walks, going from point A to point B, it's fine to have your dog walk on a loose leash and go with you. But just remember that they have needs too. And one of the needs that they have is to be able to check things out, to sniff, to look. So another thing you can do, two, that was one, this is two, treat scatters in the yard. Now what is that? Treat scatters are basically taking your dog out 
and showing them that you have treats or some of their kibble, some food, and you scatter it and you say, hey, get it. And you toss the food and they have to forage around in the grass and kind of, uh, you know, find it. And for some dogs, that can be a good way to get them out, get them snuffling around and foraging. The acts of licking, chewing, shredding, um, snuffling, foraging like that, those are all self-soothing behaviors. If you can think of a toddler with the thumb in the mouth or a pacifier, uh, that's the same thing that you're creating by allowing the dog to sniff and root around and find treats and things like that. So it's a calming thing. Um, interactive feeding toys, that's the third way, interactive feeding toys. Dogs don't have to eat out of a bowl. They can get their nutrition in any number of ways. And you can put, especially for a young dog, um, they can, let's face it, puppies can be so needy sometimes. They, had, they require more than we remember that we have to give. So one way I tell people to help cope with that phenomenon is to use interactive feeding toys so that you're putting uh, the food in the toy and instead of it taking three seconds to slurp it down, it takes 15 minutes. And for every extra minute they're using uh, in a appropriate way to get their food or to be entertained in an appropriate way is every minute that you don't have to make sure they're not chewing on the dining room chair. So interactive feeding toys are absolutely great. Um, number four, rotate out the toys. Don't give them all the toys all the time. Uh, they get bored with them. And if you feed these interactive toys or you have these interactive things, uh, pick them up. Don't leave them all down. Um, I have the interacting feeding toys. I have Kong toys, topples, um, and I pick those up. They get them, and when the food is gone, they're picked up. They don't get to keep these. And I wish I were getting a kickback from from Topple, from Kong, from uh, all these things. I wish I were getting a kickback, but I don't. So. Uh, choose your toys that are appropriate for your dog and your dog's uh, chewing level uh, but personally mine I do like to have certain toys. The fifth thing you can do do-it-yourself enrichment DIY enrichment on Pinterest there, there are whole pages and pages on Pinterest and on Facebook there are whole groups on Facebook and they're dedicated to ideas of things you can do with your dog at home that with stuff that you have laying around um, or stuff that you can do quite easily. The only thing that I personally don't care for is the shredding. Some people will give dogs things specific to, specifically to allow them to shred and I kind of don't want to feed that. I would rather um, allow the dog to uh, do other things like snuffling, um, but I'm just not a real big fan of, of uh, shredding. Uh, some people will let them have cardboard boxes and things. 
I, with the things that I do with my dogs and my home, my atmosphere and everything that goes on that I have, uh, I just worry about my dogs beginning to destroy things that shouldn't be. And so again, if it's okay for a dog to, to shred or destroy, then you have to think that it's okay for them to shred or destroy any of them of that, of that type. So I'm not big on the shredding. Number six, training. Have you ever sat at a computer all day working and you've been exhausted when you got done? Like you didn't expend that energy physically because you like sat there, but the mental strain made you tired. That's what we're talking about. Training can work their mind. If you give them problems and things to figure out, it wears them out. Um, I go places and I do uh, training sessions and sometimes even before I'm done, uh, before I left, I'll say, uh, the dog's tired and they sleep so long after I'm gone because we have actually worked their mind. So that is one way that you can combat some boredom and get out that frustration is put your dog's mind to work doing good things. Number seven, exercise. Exercise, but not too much. There is a balance. So if you think about um, an athlete, they train, and the more they train, they get in better shape. And the better shape they get in, they can go longer. And the longer they go, the better they get, the faster they get there, and it gives them energy. Anyone who's ever been on kind of a workout routine you know that the more you work out, you get those endorphins going, you get all the, you know, get your blood pumping, and it can give you more energy. So I've had clients come to me and say, I run this dog a mile in the morning and two miles in the evening every day. And all I can think is, I'm glad you can do that. I would, I would die. I would just die. Um, but they need balance. Don't overdo the physical exercise. Um, they do need that, but really is don't overdo it. So in parting, I'm going to say they need balance. They need mental stimulation, physical exercise, and a predictable, uh, predictable rules, expectations, guidelines for their behavior. They need to be taught what to do rather than punishing their behavior. Uh, that kind of goes back to that question of exactly when and how do you believe your dog knew what to chew on and what not. Um, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Did you take the time to teach them what to do rather than punishing them for things that they did? Uh, and that's, that's one of your reflection questions for this. Um, okay. So I guess that is all we have time for today. As I said, we'll t be talking more about hyperactivity, impulsivity, and just plain wild dogs in the future, uh, in future episodes. And if you want to be on my mailing list to get free tips and tricks to help you enjoy living with your dog, you can join by going to doghelp.net and signing up for the mailing list. Uh, also make announcements for upcoming events and other good stuff on there. And as always, be sure to hit like, subscribe, and share this information. 
if you like what you hear, leave me, give me some feedback. Um, but the big thing, sharing this information, not just liking it, it helps get it out there to other people. And other people out there also want to know what you think about this information. So give me some love on the reviews. Um, thanks again, everyone. I really enjoy uh, coming to you like this. And I enjoy the feedback I get. I enjoy you contacting me and uh, kind of giving me ideas and reaching out uh, and letting me know how is it these podcasts are impacting your life. And so... I will see you next time, and until then, work on making these babies not bored.